Hey everybody, welcome back to The Taste. This is Doug Schaefer and we've got a good one today. Our guest is Cleo Palmeyer, who is president of Palmeyer and Wayfarer Wineries, making some great wines with some of the best fruit in Napa and Sonoma. Cleo grew up here in Napa where her father, Jason Palmeyer, started the winery in the late 80s, worked with some great winemakers and turned it into a real success story. Meanwhile, Cleo studied art history in college on the East Coast and later in London before she ever imagined getting into wine. Today, she's one of Napa Valley's bright lights among the next generation, and I've really been looking forward to talking with her. Everybody, welcome back. Another episode of The Taste. This is Doug Schaefer. We've got a special guest today, Cleo Palmeyer. Welcome, Cleo. Thank you. And um, I got to tell, tell you a couple stories. Okay. So you and I first met, it was about a year ago, six, eight, eight months ago. It was a vintner dinner. If I get this wrong, correct me. Okay. And we were, uh, it was five or six vintners hosting the Danny Meyer team of Psalms. That's right. uh, Union Square Hospitality Group. There are five or six different stops from his restaurants. And we had dinner down at uh, Andy Erickson's house in in Coombsville. And that's the first time I met you. And it was like, Cleo Palmer was like, wait, you know, where's Jason? She goes, no, I'm Cleo (laughs) and I've been around. I've been running this thing. So that was fun. And, um, you know, I knew you were coming in here today. So I was thinking about first time I met your dad Mm -hmm. because it probably had to be 84, 85, I just started Schaefer, and I was down in San Francisco selling wine. And I walked into, you know, liquor wine store. Yep. And he was working the floor. Mm-hmm. I started talking to him, nice guy. And he tells me he's a lawyer. I said, you're a lawyer? What are you doing in a wine shop? He goes, I want to make wine. I said, what do you mean? He goes, and this guy, you know, I was selling him Schaefer wines, and he was he's the buyer, but he was yeah. like, I want to do this. I want to yeah. grow grapes and make wine. I said, well, go get them, Tiger. Good luck to you. Yeah. And I didn't see him again until about three years later. I ran into him up here in Napa and said, hey. He goes, hey. He goes, I said, you did? He goes, yeah, I'm making wine. Here's my first one. So <laughs> it, it happened. This guy, obviously a lawyer and yeah. got the wine bug and, and did it. Yeah, it's interesting because he is someone that, I mean, that's something that I admire about him the most is that here's someone who says, I'm passionate about this. I'm going to do it. And he did it. And, you know, you have a lot of people that got into the business through family or some, some other path like that. Of course, there's also other people that are just totally inspired by wine, uh, which happens to all of us, right? Uh, All of us in the industry. And so I think that's one of the things I admire most about my dad is that he just, his passion just lets that, lets that drive him. (laughs) <laughs> I know it's great. So I kind of got, I think we got like two stories here today because what, so what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, yeah. start off and maybe give us, everyone out here, a, a background on, you know, Palmire Winery, Palmire Wines, you know, where it's been, you know, kind of before Clio. Mm-hmm. And then we can get in when you joined, you know, yeah. joined up and, and what's been going on since. So tell, okay. talk to me about Palmire. Yeah. So like I said, my, so when you met my dad, um, you said that was like 84, 84, 85-ish yeah. so, in there, I think. So I was born in 83, um, okay. which I understand is the year you started making wine. You've done your, <laughs> oh man, you don't, I hope you haven't done all your homework. I'm no, not show. all my homework. Okay. Um, but I picked up that one. And so when I was born, my dad and mom, um, or after my brother was born, he was born about a year and a half later, mm-hmm. they decided that they were going to go to Spain and just spend a couple years okay. just traveling around Spain. So they did that and uh, and then came back to, um, uh, to California. And f- from what I've pieced together, that's about the time that we moved to Napa and, uh, and he started, started making wines. Um, he had been kind of doing some negotiant labels and bringing, importing those from Europe. And then, so while he was selling the stuff on the floor, he was also selling people <laughs> His uh, his uh, uh, imports too that he was uh, on on the side, um, <laughs> and so he was he was a lawyer and in law school he um, he had he had gotten the bug the wine bug from his dad from my okay. grandfather uh, Ralph Palmeyer and my grandfather took my my dad and my uh, uncle to Europe and they traveled um, in Bordeaux mostly and some of the great wine regions there to Champagne. And, uh, and that's where my dad really, 
really fell in love with wine. So do you think that's why they wanted to go to go live in Spain, your folks, early on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay. They, uh, you know, they they just they they loved wine. They loved traveling. Love Europe. Um, love food. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. They, they, you, they don't you, seem very you, responsible you, yeah, parents, I know, I do they? Say, <laughs> I mean, well, actually, no. What yeah, about the job and the four hundred one k? And I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm really jealous because it's like they did. Totally. What we all want to Why do aren't this. I doing that right now? So yeah. I was. Uh, I was like one or two years old. Okay. And I, in fact, I learned Spanish before English. My mother speaks Spanish and French um, and Portuguese. She's an interpreter and translator. Oh, neat. Um, and, uh, but, and so then when I started, when we moved back to Napa and I started going to school here, um, Sunrise Montessori, uh, where my kids go now, I could only speak Spanish. And um, there was a teacher there, uh, Cheryl, who just retired a couple of years ago. And she... Uh, could speak French and I think a little bit of Spanish. So I mostly latched onto her, but then I quickly realized that when I speak, nobody understands what I'm saying. And I, and then I just ended up refusing to speak, speak Spanish anymore. And, um, and I've been taking Spanish classes ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so back, so back to Palmyre. Yeah. So, so back to Palmyre. So, so my dad in, in law school, he had gotten the wine bug by traveling right. in Europe and started a wine tasting group. Um, and through that group, he um, he met John Caldwell. Um, okay, John Caldwell, who's Coombsville, Coombsville, southeast yes. Napa, and Caldwell Vineyard, the pioneer actually of that area. Of that area, exactly. And so they had, so John. John's family had a property in Coombsville. Right. And so my dad, uh, the first, he was like, hey, well, you should build some starter mansions on, the, on that property. So, <laughs> so they looked into that. Well, the county wouldn't let them let them okay. subdivide the, the land. So uh, so it was like, well, how about a vineyard? But that wasn't that wasn't the first you know idea that they came up with because nobody was planting vineyards back, in Coombsville yeah, back then. Yeah, Coombsville was not planted. It was thought to be too cold. Too cold. Too cold. Exactly. Was... And the where where John's uh, vineyard is is very steep uh, right. hillside, and that's also people weren't really planting on the hillsides so. uh-huh. quite that's yet. True. Um, back back then, or if, if they were, it was it was new. And so they got this crazy idea. Well, let's plant a vineyard out here. So they partnered together and so he was up working with Caldwell. I didn't. I wondered about that. That's yeah. Weird. Okay. Yeah. And so then. Um, uh, Randy Dunn uh, was interested in what they were doing down there. They had John Caldwell had smuggled in Bordeaux clones. Um, <laughs> they they imported together. They went to my dad and John went to Europe. Uh, they they went to Bordeaux. They uh, they figured out which clones they wanted to bring back, and then uh, imported them to uh, to Canada, which was no problem. And then they had to get them from Canada into the U.S. And I'm going to guess, this is a guess, I'm going to, I might be totally wrong. I bet you they got them in, into Napa Valley in shoe boxes because John Caldwell sold shoes at the Vintage 1870 in Yountville because exactly. this was when I was in high school and college. I remember he ran the shoe store. Yep. I didn't know he was doing grapes. Tell me. Is, so is that, John is that was taking, got him in? <laughs> that's a, you just totally guessed oh it. Oh my gosh. You, you just totally guessed that. Yeah. So, and you're totally right. <laughs> yeah. So John's family has a shoe store. Right. And uh, so John was uh, carrying the truckloads over the border. Um, on the East Coast and then shipping them back here in shoe boxes. <laughs> and um, I can't believe I guessed it. I can't believe I you guessed it either. I think you're, you're stealing my thunder here, no, but no, you totally no, just, just guessed it. Well, you know, I used to buy shoes from John Caldwell. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah, is years before he started growing grapes. That's exactly oh, right. Funny. And, um, but on the one of the final truckloads, uh, John got caught by the authorities. <laughs> and, uh, and so they ended up... Um, cooperating with the authorities okay, and deciding, okay, we'll turn over all of our illegal contraband. Meanwhile, all the dormant budwood was tucked away on the property um, in an old barn. But on the day before the authorities were to arrive to pick up all of this, uh, all of this uh, foreign, yeah. all this contraband, um, they went and purchased the same number of vine cuttings from UC Davis. <laughs> and when they authorities came to pick up the uh, the budwood, they turned over the, the, purchased, the purchased budwood from UC Davis. Oh my instead. Gosh. And so then, um, so then, I don't know. Months later, maybe they followed up with with my dad and John. They said, "Oh, well, you know, we're so glad that you." Um, 
cooperated with us because right. look at this whole printout of all the diseases that we found in this Diseases book. from the... Little did they know they were testing their own they're stuff. They were testing their own stuff that was growing up at Davis. Yeah. That's funny. Well, that's the way it was. It was. It was, yep. took a long time to figure out how to get clean budwood. I mean, to this yeah. day, it's still a challenge. Yeah. There's guys, a couple of outlaws. You know, those two, you put... The, I'm thinking about putting Cal, John Caldwell and your father... Jason Palmer in the yeah. same room together. Yeah. A couple of outlaws. Yeah. Well, in I a don't good know. Way. A couple of outlaws. Way. You know how it is with <laughs> well, with uh, with men getting up in the years. The the stories take on a life of their own. So <laughs> no, maybe you no, should put them in no, separate rooms and, uh, and, 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 and then compare well, stories. Yeah, look, Cleo, you know, you sell wine. You're a little, little embellishment's okay yeah. now and again. Yeah. Of course. As, yeah, as my husband always says, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Amen to, amen to that. <laughs> well, how cool. So they got together out in Coombsville where no grapes were growing because it was too cold. Yep. And... They started growing grapes. Yep. So, um, so clearly, I mean, it took the you know it takes several years in, a, right. in under the best conditions for um, for your vines to get established, and so uh, but they they were you know they were struggling a little bit. Every, everything was new back then in terms mm-hmm. of viticulture. Everyone was still figuring things out. I mean, we still are here right. in Napa Valley today. We don't have hundreds and hundreds of years like they do in, um, in the old world right. of knowledge. Um, uh, but Randy Dunn, um, I think I, met, I started talking about this earlier, but he um, was interested in this vineyard. He obviously for his uh, his Napa Valley bottling. Right. Uh, clear, clearly, he's um, you know he's interested in Bordeaux clones, and so uh, so he came to check out their vineyard. And the first uh, meeting, my dad's practically tripping over himself because oh my God, here's Randy Dunn already um, one of the great winemakers in Napa Valley. He, was, he had been at Camus, and might have still been there, but then he, within a few years after Camus, he'd start his own brand. Exactly. Dunn Vineyards. Yeah. Right. And so, all, and all he had to, to say at the time was, uh, was uh, don't screw it up. I think he might have used another word. I right. don't know if we're allowed to swear today. You can do anything. You can do anything, you can do anything you want. And uh, anyways, he came back another time and, and, and said he wanted to purchase some fruit. And my dad said, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to just, um, you know, we're not just selling grapes. I want to make my own wine. It's my dream to make uh, my own um, Bordeaux style wine in Napa Valley. Um, his my own Mouton, as my right. dad said. Okay. And so handshake uh, deal in the vineyard, and Randy Dunn became our first winemaker. Okay. Um, so our first vintage was 1986. 86. Okay. With uh, the Palmyer, the time we called it the Red Table Wine. Um, now it's Palmyer Proprietary Red. Um, right, and it's always been a blend, right? It's, it's always a, been a blend. Right. Yeah, the Bordeaux five major blend. Bordeaux varieties. Great. Yeah. And so, uh, made the wine. Uh, did he have? Do you guys have a facility, or did he at the time have an actual no, winery? No, we um, yeah, he, we did custom crush all the way until um, through 2011. Okay. Um, and now we we have our own facility and team um, that we operate. Where is it exactly? Where's so we uh, we make our wine at um, a facility in Calistoga. Okay. So we don't own the facility, but Let's we see, operate we it. Operate it. Yeah. And and through the years. You've got, but starting with Randy Dunn, you've had some great winemakers. Yep, that's they, right. So um, following uh, Randy Dunn, um, Helen Turley took over in 1992. Okay. Um, and she uh, she was a, I mean, clearly really establishing her own name then, uh, consulting for yes. uh, some of the, uh, you know, first cult wines in uh in Napa in Napa Valley. Right. And she and, and my dad worked together uh through nineteen ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. That's a yeah. good step. Yeah. Um my dad has many, many fond memories of of working with, with Helen. Um they oh, she was, they had quite a bond. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I remember I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Aaron Green, Kale Anderson, Bibiana Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now Jennifer Williams, who was at Spotswood for a long time. That's right. Great. That's right. Yeah. So she's that a super was, winemaker. That's, that's a, yeah. That was exciting for me because um, I took over as president of Paul Meyer um, about a year and a half ago, and okay. so um, Jennifer was was the first winemaker I've ever hired, and um, and it was a, a da- it's, it's a lot of pressure in that process, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah. But I'm just. Uh, so thrilled to be working Good. to be working with such a lovely um, person and with such a talented person. So, Good, I'm glad. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I know about that hiring and firing. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's and, like, I mean, <clears throat> comes right. No down disrespect to... to anyone else on my team, but 
the winemaker is is, well, is the is a key very key person. <laughs> very key person. Yes. Now, I've got to throw in something because I was aware of it because I'm a little bit old, a little bit older than you, but uh, you probably weren't too aware of it at the time. Back in the day, because people need to see this movie, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, <clears throat> so apparently there was a movie being shot and it starred uh, Demi Moore and uh, Oh Michael Douglas. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's called Disclosure. Yep. And uh, there was a, a very critical scene where there was a bottle of Chardonnay. It was a Palmer Chardonnay. And my recollection is that just the exposure for you guys was fantastic. Was well, that- it definitely was. <laughs> um, so that was, I mean, that was just dumb luck, I guess, honestly. Hey. It's, a, it's a great story, though, of course. So, um, so my dad gets a phone call one day from a, some uh, producer in, in Hollywood and saying, right. oh, we want to put your wine in a movie. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it's um, maybe it was thirty dollars a bottle at the time. It's thirty dollars a bottle. <laughs> I love it. You he's know, gonna, okay. He's make him pay for it. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, my dad's assuming like is is very safe assumption that oh, it's just going to be a bottle sitting on a table in the background right. of some scene. Yeah. And um, anyways, and so then the next day, an executive producer calls him back. He says, uh, "Mr. Palmire, I don't think you understand. <laughs> you know, we want to have your wine in this movie. Do you know how much money Budweiser paid to have their can of beer in Tom Cruise's hand in, in, right. in Tom Cruise's mm-hmm. last product, movie? Product so my thing, dad yeah. starts backpedaling 90 miles an hour. <laughs> so, okay, okay, how many cases do you need? And um, <laughs> sends him the wine. Then doesn't think much of it. After that, um, he and my stepmother were actually invited to the premiere of the movie. Okay, They had something else that they had already committed to, couldn't go. So there they are sitting at the Cynodome in, uh, in, in Napa, in Napa. Right. the, uh, the, the local, local the, the theater. one that would flood every couple years right. and it That's smelled kind of funny and, <laughs> um, and, uh, watching this movie and they practically fell off their chairs when they saw how the wine figured in the movie. So it was, first of all, it was Demi Moore and Michael Douglas right. at the peak of their careers. They were the stars. Um, so this yeah. was a this was a blockbuster movie for I think it was released in ninety three, ninety two, mm-hmm. something like that. And um, and the wine was actually p- integral to the plot of the movie. So um, Michael Douglas character and Demi Moore character had been had a relationship in the past. Um, and then since since moved on, Michael Douglas was married with kids working for a tech firm in Seattle, and he's gunning for this promotion. But instead of getting the promotion, they bring in his ex-girlfriend, a Demi Moore character, right. uh, and so she takes over as his boss at the company. And then she um, plans this uh, late night uh, meeting, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Michael Douglas walks into the room, and uh, she gets off the phone. And she has a bottle of Palmyre Chardonnay uh, chilling. And he goes, oh, the 91 Palmyre. I've been looking all over for this. And then she <laughs> so says... So got, got, uh, got the whole Michael Douglas, you know... Oh, yeah. Deal. And then she says in a very seductive way, I like all the boys under me to be happy. Yeah, <laughs> So there you go. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, you need to, you know, get on Netflix and uh, yeah. and get a bottle of Palmyre Chardonnay and yeah. down and uh, yeah, watch, so I won't, watch I won't movie disclosure. Yeah, the you plot can. of the movie, but it, then the, the wine is mentioned a couple other times. Yeah. Um, in the, in the court towards, case. In the course of the movie. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So there's Palmar today. So let's go to chapter two here. Okay. Let's talk about Cleo. So born and raised in Napa. That's right. Um, born in San Francisco. Born, okay. uh, raised in Napa after my parents came back from gallivanting through Europe. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that would have been 86 when we came back here. Got yeah. it. And high school was? So I actually um, went to boarding school okay. in, uh, in Delaware. Uh, St. Andrew's School, which was, uh, I must have been a pretty precocious um, 13 year old, I guess, because I, um, one of my good friends growing up, um, Claire Hudson, actually, okay. and her family um, of Hudson Vineyards, they right. just, that's what they did. They go to boarding school. And so that put the idea in my head. And uh, I was like, hey, dad, can I go to boarding school too? And um, that's pretty wild because you're like 13, so, 14 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up um, essentially kind of going to college four years early. Um, but it was it was awesome. How well, you, I loved it, it was good. You love I'm Del- in Delaware, long way away. In Delaware, long way away. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, but it was great. And then I ended up going to um, college at University of Virginia. OK. So stuck around on the East Coast and honestly didn't think that I would 
be back in California ever. But of course, you never know where your life's going to end up when you're <laughs> in your well, teens okay, and early 20s. Right. We, yeah. None of us do. Um, and so I, I did some research on it. It was art history and then master's. Master's mm -hmm. in After college, um, I was <clears throat> sort of looking around at all my other friends as, as senior year was coming to a close, going, oh, geez, like there's these job fairs and people are getting these positions at banks in New York and and these other, you know, retail, large retailers. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I, what, what am do I going to do? do? What do I do? Like, uh, Dad, can I stay in school for a little bit longer? <laughs> 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 so um, I heard about this great program in London um, that's a, a master's degree in um, the connoisseurship of fine and decorative art. So I decided to continue to pursue my uh, love for art history. Okay. And do that for... Uh, about a year and a half. In London. In London. Yeah. How was that? That was great. I was going to say, great. how could it not be great? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those cities where it's definitely kind of like New York. It's it's more fun if you have more money in the bank, but <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was a great experience. Oh, yeah. I bet. It was fun being in London because it also was a nice jumping off point for really uh, inexpensive and short flights to all sorts of places in Europe too. So you got to travel. Yeah. Got oh, to travel a good, a good amount. So yeah, that that's was a great good. experience. Um, and then, and then following London, um, I well while I was, while I was living there, I was working at, um, Bonham's auctioneers, um, okay. helping out. Um, I mean, one of the entry level positions is, you know, as a, to run auctions. So, and what, what types of, would they auction everything or just, or was, um, was it wine I mean, I was, or art? It was mostly, was mostly artwork art? and furniture right. and things like that. Um, but they, of course they also had wine auctions and somebody pointed out to me like, oh, look at your, here's Palmyre wine in this wine auction. I was kind of like, what, really? In this international wine well, were you kind of were you kind of tuned into the wine thing? I mean, well, at that no. point, at that point, Palmyre was rocking pretty pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my dad. Um, okay. Yeah, that would have been the um, early two thousands, and um, and at that uh, point, my uh, yeah, I guess it was around that time, maybe a couple years later, that my dad started expressing interest and in sort of stepping back from the business. Um, so it sort of all happened around this time that. But were you, I'm, I'm interrupting. I started you, but were to you kind wine? of were actually. Kinda... I no, I I wasn't the wine. It wasn't some experience with a bottle of wine that right. set me on this course. It was the realization that wow, look at what my dad has done. Oh. Like maybe all these, all these, him telling me how great he is. Maybe it's actually. <laughs> that, not just, oh, okay, dad. Um, but uh, so seeing seeing what he had accomplished and how the wine is received all over the country, all over the world. Um, hmm. And then also seeing him start to say, okay, look, I'm, I, I need to retire. I need to step back from the business. Um, I thought, well, gosh, I mean, then you lose, you lose the secret sauce if it's not a family owned right. business and not a family driven business, then what is it? And, um, it, I mean, it's it certainly, it would, it's certainly not what it is now. And so at that point I started seriously considering, uh, getting involved in the family business for that reason, to continue you know what my dad had built. You know, how, thanks for sharing that. I mean, how <laughs> neat that you recognize that. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, because you know, we all have parents and we have children, we all have children now too. And, and, um, you know, the parents sit there and crank it out and do what they can do. And, you know, to, to be a young adult child and recognize that, that's pretty neat. Yeah. And I'm sure you told them and that it probably made him feel really good. And, you know, and it was never, it was never any pressure to get involved. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, you talk about family businesses that, um, have successfully gone from one right. generation to the next. And, one, one key element is you don't pressure the next generation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that was, I never felt any pressure like this was what I had to do. Um, and then also that the, you know, the generation interested in becoming part of the business should also have kind of their own path for a while, at least some outside experience. Sure. Um, so I, so I started thinking about it, but, um, at that time, in early two thousands, but then London, for a couple more were years, you, were you still in London? Were you at that back? point I, I'd, I'd moved back to, um, to the U.S. And okay. so it was maybe, oh, oh gosh, maybe it was uh, 2006, 2007, living, something like that. Living in San Francisco? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, oh. um, and then it was a couple years um, working in San Francisco. Um, I worked for Williams Sonoma Corporate. Um, okay. And then, uh, and then in 2008, so it's just been, so it's been 10 years uh uh, this August, 10 years now working for the winery. So wow. um, my stepmother emailed me 
And she said, oh, there's an entry-level position opened up at the office. And do you have any friends that are want to get into the wine business? And this at that is, point- This is in 2008. Yeah, so okay. 2008. So and I said, at that point, I was like, you know what? I was, Can I interview for this job? <laughs> and so- that's, that's cute. So I did. And they hired me. And um, uh, I started out as a sales assistant. And I was answering phones and right. entering orders and uh, entering POs and things like that. So- in the business. Yeah. yeah, so I um, so everything I know about the wine industry and about wine is all uh, just by working in the through 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 work experience. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to how do you invoice? How do you orders? You know, how do <clears throat> allocating wines, shipping wine, distributors? Absolutely, all that stuff. working all the- working with a lot of really great <clears throat> um, colleagues and consultants over the years, mm-hmm. uh, learning DTC business, e-commerce. Um, Marketing, public relations, uh, all those. So the, all those things. My path has been much more on the sales and marketing side, mm-hmm. but in, at least in the last few years, um, also starting to work a lot more. Just meeting regularly with our vineyard manager, winemakers, um, good, and uh, and getting more involved in and learning from the people that I work with. Yeah, it's it's. Um I'm in a lucky position at this point here because um, I get to interact with everybody. Yeah. And I'm, instead of sales and marketing, I came up through the production end. Yeah. So I've actually had to, over the years, work with our sales director and who's, who's ever in that position. They've taught me things mm-hmm. that, you know, because I didn't know. Yeah. Or the production, you know, I, I've, I've kind of got that down. But, yeah. But uh, what you're finding out, it's fun to interact with everybody. And what's great is, Sometimes the the vineyard guy will have a great solution to some sales issue going on, yeah, and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens a lot. And that's fun to see. It does. You know, it's um, the the wine, you know, the the wine business is so interesting in that way. It's, I mean, especially for family businesses, there's something for everybody in the. That's true. There's so many different um, positions and uh, and departments that that are so different, um, and so it's. I mean, to, to know it all is is impossible. <laughs> you know, you're always learning. Yeah. Uh, curious about the whole, you know, art education experience and working with the art business. And um, do you miss that, or is that is there some any connection with that and and running a winery? Is there? Some... You know, I I love I love art. I love um, I, I love it as a more of an academic pursuit. Okay. But um, I mean, my husband and I were just in. Um, where the heck were we? We were in, um, oh, in Amsterdam um, okay. and going, and I had to drag him to the um, Rijksmuseum. Okay. And, you know, he, we went to the Van Gogh Museum. He loved that. And I had to drag him to this. And I'm just like dying. I'm loving all these old master's paintings. And he's sort of like, okay, come on, Cleo, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and it's sort of like, I just. Um, he wants to go to dinner. And so my, my passion was really in the old masters. And um, and I just, and that, and I love that as an academic um, uh, sort of. Uh, pursuit, but in terms of my career, I've always envisioned myself being in a more business career. And to be in business in the art world, it's really all about contemporary art. Okay. Um, and uh, okay. and that wasn't uh, the area of art that I was interested in. I didn't, so, know, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I learned very quickly at working at Bonhams that um, you know there were people that I was working alongside that had the same degrees that I had and they'd been there for years and they were still assistants at auctions and really not even, even having high touch with the actual artwork. Interesting. And, so. um, and I mean, that's just, that's just the art world. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, uh, uh, long ladder to right. get to where right. you're close to the art, uh, especially in the old, in the old masters and things like that. Interesting. Yeah. Doing that. See, because I've also, I've also, I want to go back to school and take some art history classes because I was all viticulture analogy. It's all just yeah. science and biochem and yeah. botany and biology. And I never got some of that just basic liberal you know, arts stuff. I really, like I really, I really kind of, yeah, it's I, a great class. Just, and I lament how, um, just sort of the, the liberal arts education is feel very, becoming very undervalued uh, today. Yeah. And even even when I was in college, sort of like, oh, what are you going to do with with art history? There's a lot of pressure to major in marketing right, or something right. like that. I just I just dropped yeah. a, I just dropped a, <laughs> one of my kids off to school, and I was looking at his classes, and 
He's taken an econ class, which is great, but he's also taken an introduction to architecture because he, he loves and also an intro design class. And, yeah. you know, I Those call intro him classes call him are so the, good. Yeah, I call him up the first week. He goes, oh, Dad, this design class is so cool. And architecture, yeah. you know. Just, because oftentimes those intro classes are taught by some of the best professors at the university, or at least that was the case at UVA. Hmm. Um, they were huge classes. Right. They're, they're general, but they were taught by great professors. Great teachers. And m- most oftentimes... The professor makes all the difference in the world. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. All right. So back to you working at Palmer. You're in the office. You're sales associate. You're learning everything. You're working your way up. That was 2008. That's 10 years ago. How did so? How how did that proceed after working sure. in the office? Well, you know, I think with uh, with family businesses, you uh, you tend to have um, you know the the family members working in the business tend to be given more responsibility than they probably should have at the time, right? So so over the years, there's been a few deer in the headlights moments like, you want me to take over what? <laughs> and so I've had to just kind of figure it out, uh, right. seek out the right people and advice. And, um, and so maybe a year or two, maybe after I started at the winery, I started managing direct-to-consumer sales. Maybe it was even less time than that. Um, wow. And then managing... Um, marketing. And, uh, and then around 2000, 2012, uh, we hired a president for the company, okay. um, Brian Hilliard, who uh, was a great mentor to me. And so at that time, a couple things were set in motion. I started, um, I also started managing public relations at that point. Um, someone else took over direct to consumer sales okay. and, um, and we decided to launch uh, the Wayfair brand. So my dad. Yeah. Tell me, well, well before you get into Wayfair, yeah. I'm curious, cause I'm curious cause you know, I, you know, I tracked with Jason a little bit. Now is he still there working at those, these years or is he kind of stepped back? No, when? my dad stepped back around 2008, I would say okay, around right, the same right, time that I started okay. working for the company. So you yeah. did, did you ever have a chance to work kind of day to day with him? A no. Bit? Wow. No. Okay. Um, no, he'll he'll call me up with one of his pet projects. Okay. He wants me to take care of. <laughs> um, but <laughs> then of course now, you know, we discuss how the business is doing uh, right. from time to time. But uh, never have not really had that experience of working side by side with my dad. Um, yeah. No, no, but yeah, but even though it's not side by side, you guys are still, it seems like you're still talking and you're communicating and that, what's yeah. that like? Is that, is that neat? Is it? It's great. I mean, I think, um, I know my dad, uh, my dad's really stoked about it. He's, he's, oh, he's really thrilled. Um, and cause again, this is nothing that he ever pushed me into doing, but, um, but he just, he's so, I mean, he's very, he always tells me he's very proud and just like so happy that is, this is, he, um, does this he, is what we're doing. Is he doing the dad thing where it's like, you know, he, he doesn't want to give you too much advice, but he just can't help himself. So he, No, no. He, <laughs> really? He, wow. Uh, Good for him. He just, I, I ask him for advice from time to time. Um, but no, no, he's, uh, he's very happy on the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Wow. Good for him. How yeah. Neat. What yeah. a cool experience. And I have a great network. Um, a lot of people who, uh, my dad has known for right. decades, right. um, and, uh, just a network of people that I've also built, um, because, uh, you know, That's you don't nice. get there alone. <laughs> so, no, no, none of us my, do. But my dad planted Wayfair in, um, we we'll finished planting in 2002. And so, where, where is Wayfair? So we are out in the Fort Ross Seaview, AVA. That's right on, on the Sonoma, Sonoma coast. coast where it's cold and... Cold and rainy. Cold it's and one of the wettest spots and, in California, yeah. yeah. So um, okay. So actually, that's, so it's interesting. My dad, um, it's, it's another fun story. Back in the 90s when Helen was our winemaker, okay. um, she was one of the pioneers out in the Fort Ross Seaview, AVA, with that's her right. Marcus and Vineyard. Right exactly. Right. So I remember that. And, um, and my dad, um, is, he's likes to say, you know, um, every enophile eventually gravitates to the wines of Burgundy, right? So, you know, he started out drinking when his, in his, um, you know, progression of, of, uh, falling in love with wines, he started out, you know, with uh, Italian Shiraz, I'm sorry, Australian Shiraz, you know, and, um, and, uh, and then drinking big, you know, the Bordeaux of France and then, um, you know, and then over the years really gravitated to the wines of Burgundy. I'm, I'm, I'm with him on that Yeah, they were a little less expensive back then too. So, (laughs) and so, um, and so he, and Helen, of course, um, Mm -hmm. had, had, uh, was making, starting to make Pinot Noir and things like that, or had been doing it for a while. Right. And, um, and so said, you know, help me, you know, he at first he had this crazy idea that he was going to buy vineyards in, uh, Burgundy and Helen, 
his American and female, by the way, winemaker was yes. going to go over to France and make these wines. Oh, wow. And so he actually bought two um, uh, uh, Grand Cru classified vineyards um, that I'm not going to remember the names of sure, right now. Sure, that's okay. And, um, but a one white and one red. So, and then in the last minute turn of events, the local French people appealed to an obscure real estate law that gave them the right of refusal on this sale. And so oh, it ended up being they purchased by him, the local people. They and shut they, him down. They shut him down, they sent him his him money down. back. Oh. Yeah. So he couldn't, of course, now you've got Chinese and all sorts of sure. you know, foreign investment um, in, uh, in France. That must but have been frustrating. I bet, you that, I, bet you that, I bet you that really rocked him a little you bit. You know, um, you know, my dad really doesn't get that that um, ruffled by adversity. I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking right now about when his, his house burnt down in 2011. Yeah, I want to talk about that later. Two days before my wedding. <laughs> Sorry, just to... Uh, and, and he was just... He's so philosophical about things like that. When something like that happens, just like, oh, well, you know, it's just stuff. Or, you know, it's just a vineyard. We'll move on. So that's to, something that's very, I, I admire a lot about my dad. He doesn't go, let these kinds of things rock him. I need to go visit him and hang him. out. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go hang out with him for a couple of days. Um, so, so he and Helen turned their sights to Back Sonoma. To, okay. Um, and, uh, and Helen found this property um, that was a, or it was called Wayfair Farm, owned by a couple of hippies that had moved out there as part right. of the Back to the Land movement. And they uh, were growing organic fruits and vegetables. Um, they were running a school for wayward children. And um, and they uh, and they had their put their property for sale. And so my dad uh, went out there with Helen and John. Uh, she brought, she, Helen's a great cook, so she roasted a couple chickens, packed a picnic, brought um, a magnum of her Marcus and Chardonnay. Right. Right. And they sat out there and had this great picnic and my dad just fell in love with, with the land. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm equally in love with it. I've also fallen in love with the land. It's just such a, it's just such a magical place. You know, you just really get a feeling for a place. You just there feeling the sun, breathing the air. Oh, you're in, just, in, in the oceans. How far away? It's just, uh, from there. It's just less than five miles. Yeah. So, you so you're up in you the coastal the range in the California sun, yet it's still um, a coastal cool region. So they planted, um, so we planted the vineyard there, uh, finished yeah. planting it in 2002. So that's um, Chardonnay and Pinot? Mm-hmm. How many acres? I'm curious. So we have 30 acres planted. Okay. Um, we teabedded over a couple blocks to Chardonnay because okay. Chardonnay is doing so well out there. So Great. now we have um, eight acres of Chardonnay and 22 acres of Pinot Noir. Okay. Um, and uh, so for, for several years, we were... Uh, blending the fruit with um, a couple of Russian River vineyards to make a Palmyre Sonoma Coast Chardonnay and a Palmyre Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir. Got it. And uh, but over the um, you know in, in recent years, my, my husband and I especially have been talking about how this site is so incredible and what is what are the great Pinot Noirs of the world all about? They're about, about not site, just yeah. one vineyard, but about you know blocks within that vineyard or sections of that vineyard. Right. And, and Pinot Noir more than any other varietal is all about a place and place. place. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so we really felt like we had to have an estate label, uh, for this to really showcase this incredible vineyard. Mm -hmm. So in 2012, we, um, bottle or we didn't bottle, but we harvested uh, the first vintage that would become the Wayfarer label. Wow. So that was really exciting for me because I got to, while I, um, have a huge passion for carrying on what my dad started mm -hmm. with Paul Meyer. This is something, um, while I'm forever indebted to him for having the vision to plant this vineyard way out there, which is pretty crazy in and of itself. Yeah, it, um, it was really cool for me to be able to bring this brand to life, yeah. uh, bring this, put this wine in bottle. What's and, your uh, baby? So it's Pinot or Pinot and Chard? Both. So both. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. It's Wayfair. So is that connected with Paul Meyer or is it a separate brand? It's a separate brand, uh, but it's part of the, part of it's under thing. the Paul Meyer umbrella. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's cool. Thanks. Yeah. So that's, um, so that's, that's been really, um, you know, exciting and painful and all, all the above is, you know, as anybody who's started a wine brand in recent years knows. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. New brand. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the it's, it's tough out there. It's crowded. It's a lot of labels. There sure are. There are a lot of labels. <laughs> Um, yeah, Elias and I started a little side project called 84, which was, has been fun. It's making non-Schaefer varietals yeah. and it's, we haven't, we haven't really hit it hard on the marketing end. That's, that's my challenge. Um, but, uh, 
just because it's connected with Schaefer doesn't mean it's a slam dunk. You know, people yep. are like, you know. It helps though, right? Because I helps. couldn't imagine yeah, doing this without having the Paul Palmer connection. It. Absolutely. Yeah, it, helps. <laughs> it helps, but it's but it's a, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, very cool. So I've little homework here. So I've, <laughs> uh, at the 2018 Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival, you were a speaker on the uh, the future's female, the next generation of American wine. You said that you were inspired by your mother, Helen Turley, and Ann Colgan. <laughs> I was curious about that. Can you tell me about each of those women and okay. why, how they've inspired you? Oh wow! Oh, you you really are. It's a, reg- it's a regular question. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, well, I I mean, my mother. Um, my mother inspires me because, um, well, I'm a mother now of, um, of two uh, kids. My daughter is five and my son is three. And I'm having another baby in January. Congratulations. Thank you. Very exciting. Um, and so, but my, it's never been a question for me would whether or not I would have children. Of course, I always wanted to have children. And okay. it's never been a question for me of whether or not I would have a career. I've always just known that that's something I wanted. Got it. Um, but then you... But then there I am, pregnant with my first child and thinking, oh my God, how am I, what? How does this work? Hey, right. How do I, how do I keep doing my job, but then also <laughs> have, yeah. a, have a child have a baby. and then another one and then another one. And, um, and I think that, uh, you know, it just works. Like it's just, you, you figure it out, uh, as with most things in life. And, uh, but having that example of my mother, who has always had a career and who has uh, been an incredible is an incredible role model to me right now for um, for the the type of mother that she was um, or that she is and so um, so so she's really inspired me in that mm-hmm. because um, it's not easy to to have that balance but to to know other people um, that that have done it and make it work is. Um, and she's, it gives she's, you confidence. She's, she's an interpreter. You said she spoke numerous languages. Yeah, she's an interpreter and translator. So she um, she moved. So she works mostly when she does the um, simultaneous um, interpreting. Okay. She would work in, in New York at the UN a lot. Wow. And, but also uh, mostly in DC. She worked for the IMF for a long time. And now she mostly works for the OAS, the Organization of American States. Um, but that's when some, I was growing some, up, that's some big time stuff. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Cool. So when I was growing up, she would, um, uh, or my, my parents divorced when I was three or so. And mm-hmm. so when I would be with my, I would go with my dad for like a week or so at a time. And my mother during that time would go to the East coast and work, Got um, it. and then come back. And so we kind of divided the, the divided the, uh, the time between my two parents like sure. that. Um, and then when I started going to boarding school, um, for high school, she moved out to the East Coast permanently at that well, point. So you saw her out there. Yeah. Did you ever get to go like the UN and hang out and all that stuff? I mean, never to the UN, but somewhere. I definitely got. She's taken me a few times or several times um, to go sit in the booth with her and, and see the, all the delegates and, and oh, that's see got, what she does. That's got to be cool. It's super cool. <laughs> it's great. It's it's very very cool. Yeah, I wish I would have. Uh, that would have been cool if I could have gone to the UN um, when she was working at when the UN. But there. yeah, she hasn't worked there for a while. But yeah. Um, okay. And then, and then when I talk about um, when I when I mention Helen Turley, Helen Turley and uh, right. and Colgan, um, I think of them as um, you know they they're trailblazers in the industry for women. Um, I was actually I was listening to your podcast with Kathy Corison, right? And she mentioned how um, well first she she didn't get an internship one summer because um, the winemaker hired her, but then the owners said, oh no, we can't have a woman in can't the cellar. Can't have a woman in the cellar. But then she ended up working there the following summer, but still, I mean, that's right. that's uh, that's difficult. And then when she, I think, I think it was the same place when she was working there, um, someone would tighten all of the, uh, yeah. all yeah. of the, the, all the, uh, the gate valves on a tight, all the valves so tight really, really tight. Yeah. And, uh, and so she was like, okay. So she always carried around a, a big wrench. Big wrench. <laughs> you so, did listen to that thing. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, it's kind of, um, to, they talk about, um, uh, like, uh, like lawnmower parenting. So where parents will, you know, like mow this b- nice, easy path for their kids. Right. Right. And how, but that, that's not a good thing though. You should let your kids struggle. Right. But I feel like, um, I can use the same analogy for this. These other women have sort of mown a nice path for me and some, a lot of my contemporaries mm-hmm. to, um, to be able to do what we do without, without all that, um, 
all that difficulty. So, um, and I, and I try not to take that for granted. Yeah. So that's right. That's kind of what I meant by, by, yeah. uh, by mentioning people like, um, like Ann Cole. Like Helen and Ann. Yeah. Well, they were good. I remember, you know, I do remember Kathy cause I knew her early on and she was, you know, she was like, there weren't any gals, any yeah. women, especially in the, cellar, in the production side, in the production yeah. side. Yeah. And, uh, Helen, I never knew well, but I knew of her. And, and she was in that same era and she was one there's she and Kathy and that was about it. And, yeah. um, it was a kind of a, you know, it was also that era in time and things mm-hmm. have changed a lot. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And then, and I remember meeting Ann Colgan in Florida. She was a, by the way, she was an art dealer or mm-hmm. art broker. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and she and her husband, Fred at the time, she, um, big wine lovers and they ended up moving out here and, yeah. you know, and she's the one that really drove that drove that production and drove that Colgan label and yeah. succeeded famously. So Absolutely. I, I remember she used to, instead of signing a bottle, she would she uh, put her <laughs> lipstick marks on the bottle. Yeah, she I think is. that's she, so cool. Like you're like, really like... She like, put it right out there. She well, put it right out there. She like, um, like using her womanhood to mm-hmm. hurt. I mean, she's a beautiful, you know, uh, woman, like just using that to using her full power, I guess. Exactly. As a woman. Say, and and I think I that's something right. to be applauded. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks. I was curious about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so getting back to Palmire, you, the first wine was the proprietary red, the Bordeaux blend, which was your dad's dream. That's right. But, uh, I know you've got other wines. Tell me what the rest of the lineup's like. Okay, so um, so of course there's the Chardonnay, okay, which was um, made famous, or actually made Palmyre famous, really, uh, with the Disclosure movie. Right. First vintage was '89, I believe, and then uh, then we added on a Merlot in the early '90s. Okay. Um, and so these in the, it wasn't until the late '90s though that my dad, um, on H- Helen Turley's urging. Um, decided to ha- establish his own Napa Valley vineyard. So okay. Helen said to my dad, you know, if you, if you really want to make world-class wine, if you want to continue to make world-class wine, you have to have a hundred percent control, um, over the farming as well. Right. And so, um, so you need to have your own vineyard. And so, uh, she helped my dad find a property, uh, and it's, uh, up on Atlas peak. Okay. And so we have, uh, we planted it in 2000, 2001, we finished okay. planting. And so we have 72 acres there. Oh, uh, great. Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, Malbec, oh. um, and Chardonnay. Oh, you got shown grapes. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it the best? It's so good. It's, <laughs> well, yeah, it yeah. depends on the year, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> but, that's true. Um, but uh, in the, the vineyard really has uh, kind of two different sections. One is east facing and it comes, comes down into the Wooden Valley side of the mountain. Okay. And then the other part of the vineyard is on the Atlas Peak side. Um, it's west facing um, and it's literally on the top of the mountain. And you can see th- that section of the vineyard uh, when you're driving up and down the trail or, or, okay. or Highway 29. Um and so, yeah, and so that is uh, the core of our Palmyre Chardonnay today, Palmyre Merlot, um, and, and our proprietary red. Super. Yeah. And then, uh, so there's something going on with Dwayne Wade. <laughs> so, and so, I, you know, I know Dwayne yeah. Wade because I'm a basketball guy. So, yeah. so what's going on with Paul Meyer and Dwayne Wade and, and Gabrielle Union? Yeah. There's so, uh, this is um, my <laughs> husband Jamie Watson um, is uh, is also a basketball guy, <laughs> and right. he's a uh, he's an attorney here in Napa. Um, okay. But. My uh, my husband also has a huge passion for wine, um, and so <laughs> I have to say I didn't realize it when I married him. But you know how the saying about how a woman worries marries a man like their father, and a man marries a woman like their mother. Yeah, and I didn't I've realize it at the time, that. but um, <laughs> it's obviously not true for everyone. But now I'm thinking, oh my gosh. How did I not see that my husband and my dad are very similar people? Oh, you know, you know. <laughs> so like, like my dad, um, well, my dad was an attorney. Okay. Uh, my husband's an attorney, and um, but he has a huge passion for wine. And okay. his passion for wine really got started when I started working for Paul Meyer. Um, and that's when his law career started uh, 10 years ago. Um, but over the last 10 years, my husband has just been... His, my, my wine knowledge and my industry knowledge has all been through working. My husband's has been through like reading, reading uh, everything he can read tasting, about wine, tasting, right. listening to podcasts. I mean, doing, doing all that. So yeah. studying, um, you know, being ta- in tasting well, it's, groups. It's, it's and, a hobby as totally. opposed to a career. Yes. And well, they're, so they're then my really husband different. just figured out a way to do both. So, um, <laughs> so he, uh, and, um, so he had an opportunity, um, I forget how through some contact, 
that he had to um, to uh, create this partnership between Dwayne Wade um, and my dad um, and create this this wine label. Dwayne Wade, um, he's obviously very uh, accomplished basketball player, but he's right. also um, has uh, lots of other products um, and projects that he's involved in. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, and, a, and a passion for wine as a lot of, uh, Dwayne Wade's, uh, contemporaries in the, in the NBA right now, there's uh, there's that big ESPN article about, um, which actually the most read ESPN article of all time about the NBA players and their, uh, interest in wine. And big time. I've wine. seen, we've seen it here yeah. also. It's kind of yeah. fun. So, um, so a few years ago or several years ago, um, they uh, they started started making wine together. Dwayne um, has a huge following in China. China actually has more NBA fans than the U.S. has in population. So um, and so Dwayne uh, has um, a shoe brand in China. Okay. And uh, he'll go over there every year to promote that. And so they started out selling their wine in um, in China. Um, uh, now they're doing a pivot with the new tariffs um, and right. uh, and our expanding distribution here in um, here in, in the, the US. US. So and it's called Wade Sellers. Uh, and it's called Wade Sellers. Yeah. And so this is the brainchild of my husband and so my he's dad. Right. Got it. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of it's, it's their thing. You're not Exactly. Too I, I can't say that I can't take any credit for it. <laughs> you know, you've got you've got your hands full anyway. Yeah. Um, cool. And uh, recently why enthusiast? The 40, 40 most important people under forty. You're in that group. Congrats. Thank you. That's cool. They didn't. They didn't call me. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> must be an age thing. Um, and you and Jamie. So you married. You've got two kids. One on the way. How did you and How did you and Jamie meet? So um, we actually have known each other since we were kids. Really? Um, we actually have photos of of us uh, like. Uh, when we were children together, I have an aunt and uncle who have a beach house in Oregon, okay. in a little town called Neskowin. Okay. And um, and then my husband's family has had a beach house just down the street from my uncle, my aunt and uncle's beach house that his grandfather built in the 40s. And so he would spend summers there with his family. I would spend summers there with my family. And our families have just been friends for a long time since it's such a small community. Um, and, uh, but we didn't see each other for maybe about 10 years because yeah. we were in high school and college and just not doing those sort of right. family summers anymore. And, uh, and then we met, uh, as adults, um, Christmas of 2005. And so then we, and we've been together ever since, got married in 2011. So we just celebrated seven years, um, two days ago. So Congrats. Thank you. That must have been wild after 10 yeah. years. And then you mentioned it before, I got to bring it up again. So two days before your wedding, wedding was going to be at your dad's house, Jason's yep. house, and yep. it burned down. It burned down. It yes. burned down. Yeah, there's no how, wildfire how, or anything. No wildfire. How did, how did it burn? I'm curious. It was, there was some construction going on at the house. There was a big oh. addition being put on at the time. Oh, no. And so um, something, something happened and... <sighs> uh, and the house uh, went up in flames. And <laughs> two <laughs> but, days, you know, two days before the this wedding. This is when you know you live in a in a great community because we started getting phone calls from all sorts of different people. Uh, my my doctor called me because apparently he was a neighbor of my dad's. I didn't even know it. Um, he lived uh, just up the street a little bit and said, oh, you could get married at my house if you want to. Um, and I had several people offer their homes to us. Um, and That's then, but great. my dad, um, got a call from, uh, Chuck Wagner said, uh -huh. Hey, you can get married at, at Camus Winery Camus in Rutherford. And, um, and I was so overwhelmed with yeah. <laughs> at the time that I thought, you know what, this, the winery is probably going to be the easiest switch to make sure. they're set up for it, maybe a little bit better. And so, um, and so we ended up getting married at Camus. Um, what's, at, the, what's the date? You said it was it's October 1st. Yeah. Me too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, How many too. years for you? Nineteen. Just nineteen, 19. years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that was so that was nice. It it uh, it was uh, it was it was sort of a a really nice uh, silver lining to you know to kind of have that outreach from your community. That's pretty cool. A time of of uh, such a sort of tragic time, but I was so I mentioned this before, but so impressed by my dad. He's always just. Um, when things like this, bad things happen in his life, he never goes down into the depths of despair. He's just always thinks so positively and so philosophically about these kinds of events. Um, it's very impressive. <laughs> I'm very yeah, admirable. As soon as we get done picking grapes, I'm going to, I'm going to go see him. I'm yeah. going to go see him. Jason, it's Doug. I'm, I need to spend two days. Yeah. Hanging and it out gives you an you. excuse to go to uh, Hawaii. Yeah. 
which I'll take any time. <laughs> um, so, Cleo, you're you're part of the, the next generation. You've got we've got Napa Valley, we've got Peter Mondavi's grandkids, Manda- Robert Mondavi's grandkids, Staglin's got you know, the next generation, Trefeth and others, you yourself. Um, do you know some of these kids? Do you, run, do you guys hang together? What's Absolutely. it like? Um, uh, I, I, I definitely, yeah, I know Shannon and Carissa right, and right. Um, good friends with Ariana Peju. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, and know, know many of them. Yeah, so feel like I'm in very good company with the, with the next generation. Which, I'm, I would guess you guys have a lot of similar stories. It's like, oh, mom, and don't want dad, won't let me do this, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, you know, everybody has their... Every, you know, every family has their own issues, right? So <laughs> Yes, we all do. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, th- that all of our challenges are, are maybe somewhat unique. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I, I ran into... Um, <laughs> Because the, parent, uh, you know, the parents were, you know, we're, they're, we're all, they're all still around and Yeah, yeah. And well, I ran active. into Will Phelps at a, okay. a Napa Vintners event and... Um, and he was like, "Oh, are you here with your with your dad or anything like that?" I was like, "No, no, my dad, my dad lives in Hawaii." Right. And he was like, "Oh, lucky." I'm like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> so like, you mean my dad's lucky because he's in Hawaii, or I'm lucky because my dad's in Hawaii? <laughs> he was like, "The latter." The latter. <laughs> not to not to uh, call out Will because I know I'm sure everything. I'm sure he loves his family, but um, you know, uh, it was um, it, it's just kind of funny. So I, I I don't have those kinds of challenges, but there's obviously all sorts of other kinds there's of challenges other ones. That go along and, with and it. It's a uh, fascinating business and the folks that have made it here and been successful hey listen without a doubt they're strong-willed people they've had previous careers successful women men and they've you know jumped on the wine mm-hmm. the winery thing in napa they've built successful mm-hmm. wineries they've got kids who are sharp well educated and mm-hmm. you know a lot like them, mm-hmm. and uh, if you're doing the handoff, you know it's that's that's gonna, there's going to be some challenges. But yeah, I mean, um, I have to say, I mean, I think I think a lot of uh, like you mentioned, Shannon Saglin mm-hmm. and Carissa Mondavi. I think um, their parents have been pretty smart about it. Um, yeah. So it sounds like like um, like they've had they've had having good experiences so far. And um, uh, you know, I just um, uh, I hope that I hope that there'll be more and more of that. Yeah. Napa Valley, but it's not easy. It's not easy to, to get to the next generation. So I've got to ask you the question, since you're in that next generation, um, how's it look for Napa? You think we're in good hands? You know, um, one thing that I, I, I lament, uh, about Napa Valley is every time I hear about another winery being sold or mm. brand being sold and, um, uh, you know, every family has their reasons. Every right. every individual has has their own needs and and you know dynamics that we don't know about. Sure. Um, but uh, but I think it's something that's just happening in the industry at every level mm-hmm. right now. Um, it's a little bit scary when you're still one of the relatively small guys. Right. Um, for me, I guess it's mostly um, about the vineyard ownership. So you have about um, you have about th- I think it's a third a third of uh, Napa Valley acreage is owned by, I think, 15. Um, 15 big operations. 15 operations. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe that that is, or by 10, by the top 10, because Wine Business Monthly did like the right. top 10 vineyard owners. And if you total up all that acreage, it's about 15,000 acres out of Napa Valley's 45,000 acres approximately. Yeah, that's a big change. And that's a, that's a, and for me, because I think the future of Napa Valley is about, um, not just making Napa Valley wines, but really honing in on terroir and on vineyards, and um, and I mean that's the that's the future of, of great Napa Valley winemaking, mm-hmm. and in honing in and, and not just on vineyards stuff, but you know, but estates well, and brands well that are going yeah. to go from generation to generation. And mm-hmm. so, so yeah, what concerns me is is um, is whose whose hands are these vineyards right, in, right. Um, and uh, and how are they? Uh, tending to the land and what right. is their intention with these with these wines yeah and if they if they appreciate quality and realize that certain places and, and locations and terroir if you will produce special special wines which you know the wine consumer loves special wines mm-hmm. you know that can that can go on and on mm-hmm. that can so yeah. um yeah so I think we're I think we're okay. <laughs> Absolutely, there's definitely pl- still plenty of Napa Valley vineyards in um in uh, in really good hands. Family ownership, yeah. Got it. So Cleo, but 
the Palmire wines, the Wayfarer wines, how can people get these wines? Where's the best? Should they go to your website or is there something else? What's the best thing to do? Absolutely. Um, we uh, have our website for both Palmire and Wayfair. So palmire.com or wayfarevineyard.com. Okay. Um, and um, you can also uh, call the winery. All of our contact information are on the websites. And uh, we're happy to help anybody that calls. So get out there and call people. Try some of these wines. They're gorgeous. Cleo, thanks for coming in and taking Thank the time. You. I know you are busy, busy. You've got a lot <laughs> going on, but uh, it's so good to see you. So good to chat more with you. I, thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate this time with you. Thank you so much. You bet. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. If there are enough people around like Cleo in the next generation, I'd say Napa Valley is in good hands. She's someone who seems to care about the land, the people who work here, and the quality of the wines. It was really fun to meet her and get to know her story. If you like the taste, please take a moment to rate and review it on iTunes, as that helps other people find the podcast. Thanks very much for listening and for all the emails you've sent with feedback and ideas for future episodes. Anytime you want to reach us, just send an email to podcast at schafervineyards.com. I read them all and really appreciate the support. We'll see you next time.